She's our daughter. Who are these people? But she's never seen us before. Seven years ago, when she went missing, she was blind. Mom? Do you remember any of the events that led up to your disappearance? episode the oa there's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it's, it's, it's a trap good it toss it good it taste it do we love it hey let's fix it clean erase it let's embrace the tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carryover Culture push over pop culture. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. The only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. And joining me this week. Is the one and the only. Where is this fucking? God damn it! Now, yeah, here we go. Straight out of England and into your ear pussies. He's a motherfucking Jedi. It's Dan West. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan West is joining me again. Wonder what they say. And also uh, joining me this week, uh, second time on PCL, uh, Ashley from Sweetwater Saloon and Bay Area Mystery Club. Welcome back to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thanks for having me back. And this is a bonus episode this week. So we're just going to be talking about the OA, and this is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode for the OA. If you haven't watched it, like, this is not, like, new uh, viewer-friendly. Like, if you just started the series or you haven't started the series, you're thinking about starting the series, you know, if you're OA uh, curious, don't listen to this. <laughs> This is not yeah, the episode. Don't fucking listen. <laughs> don't listen. You know what? Honestly, you shouldn't be listening anyway. You shouldn't. This is just... Yeah, just don't listen at all. Just don't... Even if you've watched the damn thing, just turn this off right now. You know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and then it's just... I don't know. People talking into a, mic, into a microphone about a show and uh, just turn it off. Um, I'm going <laughs> to drop the spoiler warning. Yeah, I sold it. I sold this fucking episode. I sold it. All right. Let me drop Perfect. the spoiler warning. This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned. 
spoiler pussies. All right, so I believe the believe the OA dropped on Netflix on December sixteenth. Now, what was bizarre about this show is that they only promoted it one week before it was dropped on Netflix. Like out of nowhere, on like uh, social media, I started seeing Netflix posting about the OA, and I'm like, okay, let me watch the trailer. Okay, it's intriguing. Why haven't I heard about this before? And, th- and I found out that they did this. This was their strategy. Um, Netflix actually greenlit this for production and Stranger Things at the very same time. But we got Stranger... Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. Like, we got Stranger Things earlier this year... Or, uh, earlier last year, excuse me. And then the OA didn't drop until late in the year, but they were both greenlit at the same time. I just thought this was... A very bizarre strategy. I wondered why they went with this with like basically no marketing up until its release. And I looked into it a little bit more and it was not a strategy of uh, the creators of the show. Um, uh, What's her name? Britt Marling. And uh, what is his name? Uh, I've got it here. I'm so prepared. Uh, Britt Marling and Zal Batmangalij. I love that guy's name. His last name has Batman in it. So. I know. Batman. I kept thinking that Batman. as well. <laughs> I know. I kept, every time it popped on the screen, I was like, holy shit, this guy's got Batman in his fucking name. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, it, it's Batman Glish and Britt Marling. And I think this is maybe their third or fourth collaboration. I think it's a third collaboration that they've worked on together. Um, and uh, it stars – wow, it's got – it's got a lot of people that I have seen before, but then it's got people that I've never seen before. Emery Cohen, he played Homer, and I remember this guy from uh, last year's Brooklyn movie, and I remember raving about this guy. So it was nice to see him in something. We got, uh, of course, Scott Wilson from, uh, he played Herschel in The Walking Dead, yep. and uh, Britt Marling, and uh, Jason Isaacs from fucking uh, Harry Potter's in this bad boy. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he played Lucius Malfoy. So, um, what did you guys... Oh, and Phyllis from The Office. Ah, see, I don't watch The Office. Oh. Yeah. Who is Phyllis from The Office? She's, um, she's the teacher. Her real name's Phyllis Smith. Yeah. And her character on The Office is Phyllis. Well, I guess when you said Phyllis from The Office... (laughs) <laughs> is that the real office or the fake office? Thank you. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I'm with Dan. I'm with Dan Our here. Our version. Okay. <laughs> Our knockoff version. Dude, I watched the I watched the British version with Ricky Gervais. Um yeah. and, it, and it had the guy from like uh the Pirates of the Caribbean, the dude with the wonky eye and shit. And yep. he was in it. I loved that version. And I think it went on for like three seasons. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, was, it, it did so well over here, you know, launched Ricky Gervais's career. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, that's the thing. And so I, I didn't watch the American version. I was like, ah, I watched the superior one. So <laughs> it's like, I don't understand. Like in America, like, and then we get something and then we just got to like everything, everything over here. You got to supersize everything, everything. You know what I mean? Like we've got every, every place you go now, they got a $5 box. It's fucking disgusting. You go to, you go to Kentucky fried chicken, you get a box full of fucking chicken, a cookie, some uh, biscuits and gravy and uh, a fucking drink. It's five fucking dollars. I keep that as the, the the most unhealthy food ever. 
You know what I mean? It's just sickening over here. So we get like 20 seasons of the fucking office and you guys get three. What the fuck is up with the United States? I swear to Christ. It's ridiculous. We can't let <laughs> shit go. I can't. I we can't. have to beat it. Beat, you know, a, beat a dead horse forever. Oh, do you like Dexter? Do you want to see it go on for another 10 fucking seasons? Jesus <laughs> Christ, people. You know, slow your fucking roll. Um, anyway, these $5 boxes fucking drive me nuts. You go to Taco Bell, <laughs> five bucks will get you like 20 fucking tacos and some cinnamon twists. It's like, Jesus. Wow. I don't know. I'm making that up, but it's just. I was going to say, I don't think that's real. I know. They ought to just call it like the, uh, the glutton value meal. <laughs> oh, God. Remember going now to New York and the then. Box. When I was in New York, I went to White Castle because of the Harold and Kumar film. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And then realized that they did boxes of 200 sliders. 200 burgers in one box. Like, who fucking needs that? Seriously. <laughs> and they're disgusting. <laughs> see, that must be, I see, I, I like, uh, I like, uh, White Castle for some reason. Really? Yeah, oh, man. God. I don't know. Ever since I, I, think was, I had two and then i was just shitting for about a day <laughs> <laughs> they had uh what did they have the last time i went there they had uh it was like um it's like pancake bun and they put chicken in it with gravy and maple syrup and it was ridiculous <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> yeah. I remember when I ordered actually there, um, it was literally the, the first time I've been in the States for a while. It was when me and Kat started traveling and that's where we started. We started in New York and went to White Castle and I was like, oh yeah, could I get the fully loaded fries with, uh, two bacon cheese sliders, please? And the girl just stared at me with like this weird head tilt and she went, what? And I was like, can I get a loaded fries and two bacon cheese sliders, please? And she went, what? And she kind of like leant over the desk and was like, can I get a number three and a number seven? I was just like, oh, and it it was like the first example that I suddenly realized that nobody knew where the fuck I was from. And she stopped listening to my words and she just concentrated on my accent and she literally just couldn't take in any of the English that I was speaking. It was so fucking weird. And that was like, God. that was repeated over and over again. And even when, when me and Jake went to where he works, so we were just grabbing some beers and stuff for the show for Star Wars, um, a lady that he works with asked me to sing to her <laughs> in my accent. <laughs> I was like, I can't sing. I play a mean drum kit, but I can't fucking sing. You're like, you no, you you almost became like a sideshow to people, Dan. Yeah, I know. That's just same in England as well, really. People just see me in the street and start yelling stuff at me. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, that's crazy. Oh my God, that's crazy. You're a novelty. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> all right, so yeah, we all watched uh, the OA and. Um, the synopsis for this show is after OA recounts a dramatic final night at Haps, the others begin to. That's oh, for that's for episode eight. What the fuck am I doing? I'm gonna be like, I just watched that. Yeah, here we go. Having gone missing seven years ago, the previously blind Johnson returns home now in her twenties and her sight restored. While many believe she is a miracle, others worry that she could be dangerous. Uh what I want to get what what I want to talk about now, this is going to be very spoiler heavy, but what I want to just find out from you guys now as a whole 
what did you think of the series? Uh, Ashley, I'll start with you. So I liked it. Um, starting off the like first episode, I thought was slow and then it kicked in like at the very end of the first episode. And then I was so on board for like the, the middle chunk of the series. I really loved, I was on board for everything. It was moving at a good pace. I think the acting is incredible throughout the whole series, but for me, it fell apart in the end. I mean, I liked it. I liked what they were doing. I didn't love it. I rewatched the last episode. I don't know if I'll watch the series again. And I don't necessarily know that I care if they're going to do a season two. Hmm. You know. Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> my favorite. Okay. So what would you rate it? With our rating system. Yes. Uh, she's trying to remember. She's trying to recall what our rating system is. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Our rating system, if you absolutely hate something, it's a toss it. If you like it, it's a taste it. And if you love it, it is a Tupperware. Thanks, buddy. I give it a taste it. All right. There we go. That's what I wanted to hear. Um, yes, Dan. Uh, so it's a taste it from Ashley. Dan, what did you think about the series? Uh, I'm going to go high taste it because um ah god it would be a tupperware but the only reason it's not is because of the end because it leaves so many questions unanswered and i've got a bit of a problem with unanswered questions especially in tv series like uh lost i could never get into that because they are so many damn questions before they answered any and in this you know things are explained and then you have to kind of every then everything gets second guessed there's a lot of um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's a lot of like evidence that throws you off of the actual story that she's been telling the whole time, and uh, a lot of theories that come out of that. But yeah, yeah, I just thought, just like uh, Ashley was saying, it's um, the acting in this is unbelievably good from fucking everyone, and yeah. it's shot beautifully. I love the score, and it's written really well. It, it's just it's really good storytelling from beginning to end, but it's just like the premise and the questions that are unanswered at the end of the series. So if season two, if they get one, actually happens and they we find out what's actually happened, then I will probably go back and give it a Tupperware. But if it's not what I think happened, then it might even drop down to a normal taste it as opposed to a high taste it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I uh, I absolutely love this series. Like I was not hooked after the first episode. I thought the first episode was good. Um, I thought the, I don't know. I, I thought the cold open, like towards the end of the episode, I was just blown away by that. And I was like, okay, I got to watch the next episode. And I, towards the middle of the series, I'm just absolutely blown away by this and, uh, all the questions that it asks and all the questions that weren't answered. I honestly feel like, yeah, we don't have to get a second season. Do I want a second season? Absolutely. I have to get a second season, but, um, because I, I want answers, of course. Right now, it's just like it's all speculation, and uh, yeah. nobody's right, nobody's wrong, because nobody knows. Yeah. But I, I, I love the questions that it answers. I love it when a show makes you think, and I like it. Honestly, uh, two of my favorite movies uh, in the past couple years, actually, uh, two or three of my favorite movies in the past couple years, they don't end with everything 
wrapped up in a perfect little package with a perfect little bow where you know everything and everything's just going to work out hunky-dory for the character. You just don't know sometimes by the end of it, and that's real life. Now, this has nothing to do with real life at all. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) But I'm just trying to say – what I'm trying to say is that I like – sometimes I like it when a show kind of messes with you and you are left with your own thoughts – about this and it's it can spark conversations with other people like hey what did you think uh happened at the end of the oa and like hey what did you think happened at the end of the oa and then they're like well why are you talking to me we're in a fucking grocery store and i don't know who you are and i don't know what the oa is and then you're why do you keep saying the oa to me yeah right like i I, yeah i are you talking about some show that's a collaboration like a mashup of uh, andrew dice clay and uh, the fonz for an office assistant what do you need so um yeah i was i was uh i love this show i thought it was intriguing um and I loved it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware because I love those questions that it asks. And I love shows that don't have everything wrapped up tightly in a nice bow at the end of the series. It makes you think. Uh, I just, I think, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting show about the afterlife. It's an interesting show about, uh, the way people can connect. Uh, it's also an interesting show about how, some people, the obsession of some people, um, and specifically Jason Isaac's character of Hap and like, uh, his obsession and like the links that he would go to in order to find out answers about the afterlife. I mean, and the afterlife itself is kind of like a crazy thing to even think about in our, in the real life. So this show tackling it in the way that it did, I, I, I thought it was also very interesting and I, I loved this show. So that's what I got. <laughs> So will we be <clears throat> skipping directly to the end mm-hmm. of the, talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're assuming that you've watched this show. If we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, because uh, basically, um, any theories and stuff that people come up with, it, it's all to do with the ending. It's you know, it's to do with the story, but mm-hmm. it all like culminates right at the end, right? The very sort of last ten minutes of the show, and. Um, you know, we're, like you said earlier, we're assuming everyone's watched it. Um, I was really scared at the end of that that last episode. I was terrified, not just for the characters, but um, the actual situation was it was brutal to watch, especially yeah. after watching, you know, seven eight episodes of you know growing to love these characters and to see their growth especially um steve um winchell you know um what's the guy's name patrick gibson uh you know like the the sort of jock bully guy uh seeing his character change over the course of like the the season was absolutely awesome and like when he got in trouble uh for punching that kid and uh and he was like his dad said did you punch so and so in the throat i've got to pay five thousand dollars for like his medical costs and things like that and he's like okay well let me just grab a shower collect my thoughts and then we'll talk about it okay and his dad was like uh all right (laughs) and he was like totally shocked and you know that's all because of you know the oa and like him sort of like growing to you know like or love all these these totally different people and seeing the change in his character was awesome but um yeah it was uh the end is just unbelievable i really thought when they got up and they were doing the movements that that kid was just gonna blow them away 
that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was just going to just like they were going to finish doing their movements and he was just going to kind of stare at them blankly and then just wipe them all out and she would be too late. But that didn't happen. It was, um, yeah, I, I, God. Did we see the shooter's face? Uh, only blurred in the background when he's walking down towards the cafeteria when he like takes a few shots to the, his right. Yeah. Yeah, that's we only saw it, but it was it was blurred, so we don't really know who he is. Sure. So it might not be a student; it could be anyone, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was it was just wow. Because I thought what was going to happen was when they were all looking at each other on the floor. I thought that because obviously they they had been led to believe that um, the OA was lying to them the whole time. That they just kind of like looked at each other and they just sort of you know almost like instinctively knew because they were friends because they shared something real that turned you know that they thought was real that turned out not to be true. That I thought they were just going to rush him and they were going to sacrifice themselves to take this guy out. Um, but they got up and started dancing, which was really fucking odd. <laughs> Well, hold on. I want to. I want to get your reactions about that. How did you feel? You've you've watched all these episodes. You've watched them perform these. You know, tr- perform these movements somewhat in 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 the show. And you've seen other characters perform these movements when they're doing it. How 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 did you react when watching it? Did you buy it, or did you think, or is it an eye rolling moment for you? Uh, like I said, I was terrified because I just thought that it nothing was going to happen, and they were just going to get shot. So I was waiting for them to all be killed. That well, That's how I thought. What did you think, Ash? Um, it took me... Uh, the movements... I have a real problem with the movements. And um, it took me right out of what I was feeling, which I was... I'm right with you, Dan. I was terrified the moment that you see the shooter from a distance. Like, I burst into tears because this whole... The whole series has been like a little soft around the edges, very kind of magical. And even though we've dealt with some weird, scary stuff, it hasn't been like brutal real world stuff. And for like a school shooting to start happening, it just was like very, very scary. And I immediately was like freaking out and I burst into tears and those kids acting when they're looking at each other on the floor and Phyllis running down the hall saying my boys my boys like it it's so emotional and it's terrifying and then they stand up and they start doing the movements and it I mean I had an eye roll moment like I get what they're doing and I and I get the power that the repetition and the practice of movements can have but I mean, I don't know. It just looks crazy. And it just, and it didn't do anything. Like, for me, it took me right out of the moment. For me. I don't like the movements, though. I, uh, this was my favorite part of the entire series. Wow. (laughs) I, when they started doing the movements, it, I was worried about the shooter, but I was just like, I can't believe that they're going to do this, that they have enough faith in Prairie that they're actually going to to do these movements. And when they started doing the movements, I felt a mixture of excitement. Um, I, I, I was I, – I, this sounds silly, but – and I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. It brought me to tears of joy. I literally was like just tears of joy, like fist pumping. 
up out of my seat. Like, yes, I can't believe they are actually doing this. They're doing it. They're going for it. I want to know what happens. Like, I didn't actually, I didn't really care what was going to happen. I was just so happy to see them do this and to see like, no one's moving. They're just watching. And, and of just the wonder of Prairie has been telling them this story that if they do these movements, that it'll open up this dimension. And I'm like wondering what's going to happen. Just like there was a show, there was a movie that I watched, um, you know, three, four years ago called Safety Not Guaranteed, where somebody tells this bizarre story, um, and you don't know if the story is true or not. Um, and there's a science fiction element to it. And you've got to watch the entire movie to find out if it's true or not, if this person is bullshit or not. And so all these questions, I was just overcome with emotion. It was not an eye roll moment for me. I thought it was – and I, I watched it twice. I watched this episode twice. And I think just the second time was not as intense, but it still made me feel good. It was a feel-good moment for me. I loved it. So I know that's crazy because everybody else it's, well, here – it's not crazy – I rewatched, so I rewatched the finale just before we recorded, just to kind of get it fresh in my mind. And I will say, watching it a second time, it was less cringy for me. Yeah. Just, I think, because I knew where it was going in that moment. But the first time I, I saw it, I was like, mm, I don't like this. But yeah, I, I, it, I, I there's it. something strangely beautiful about it, but it, it did, it did pull me out of what, what I was feeling in the moment. Yeah, I, I, I mean, personally, I actually, I really enjoy the movements. I think it's weird interpretive dance stuff that and, and things that I've never seen people do before. So I actually think they're quite cool. But as far as like, like I know we're kind of like suspending disbelief on this, but what was their logic of doing that towards the gunman? Because it was supposed to open a portal to yeah. different worlds so why were they doing it to him did they want to try and open a portal that he would walk into and send him somewhere else I'm like, I don't understand why they did it can I can yeah. I can I oh I go ahead Ashley I'm sorry well I was, I was gonna, gonna I was, with Dan is part of part of like my eye roll moment is I was like why are the why are they even doing it like the movements themselves are one thing but the the act of I don't know go ahead I believe that this was – I mean I think we saw pretty much everything laid out here um, that – That this was Prairie's like ultimate dream of what, this, well, what happened. Well, let me, let me explain. Um, I feel like this was the result of the movements, which was her getting shot. So I, I – when she actually gets shot – she's actually performing the fifth movement on her chest. I mean, you see Prairie, she's got her hands where the fifth movement is. We saw the fifth movement in, um, I think earlier, oh, I can't remember what episode. Maybe it was earlier in this episode, but we saw the fifth movement where when they show her after she gets shot, her hands are in that same movement. And I, I feel that, that they perform these movements and, She's the only one that gets shot. Nobody else gets shot as far as we know. And the shot, there's the, the shot fired and it, it went right to Prairie and shot her. And I feel like that was, I, I feel like basically she, the, the movement fulfilled itself. So 
it, we, we were expecting to see, like, sometimes when you, when you're watching the show, you're thinking, like, all this, like, all of a sudden, like, this magical porthole, and this magical portal is going to appear, and she's going to be able to go there, and that's not what they gave us in this episode. I mean, that's not what happened. It wasn't some, like, magical portal. I feel like the movements were performed. She shows up, performs the fifth movement as she gets shot. I mean, and now she is being taken to where Homer is. That's my thoughts. Does that make any sense at all? It no. does, but well, <laughs> but why did she get shot? Like where she's standing, no one else is there. Like why does she have to be shot? Because, because that be- bullet could have gone through that glass window and she didn't have to be standing there. But it did. That's that's what I'm saying, Ashley, is that's what happened, and that's the fifth movement, and she's going – she got – it's not a porthole, portal that appears and you go through it. It's the no, fact right. that – yeah, that. the fact that she got shot is what's, is what's taking her to Homer and the rest of them, I, and I feel like – Oh, oh, I understand what you're saying now. Okay, so you're saying that, like, her getting shot and taking away, like, that is the, like, the invisible current that she's talking about, like, that the portal is. Yes, I mean, we're thinking, we're thinking, like, we're thinking as we're watching this, you do the five movements, and if you do them in unison, you do them perfectly, a magical portal appears. And that's, that's not how everything works on this show. It's not all, it's not all like that. And so, the fifth, when she went... When they show her after she gets shot, she's actually in the she's doing the fifth movement. Her hands are on her chest are where the is where the fifth like that's the movement. Right. And so she's got the bullet in her and everybody else there knows that it worked. I think the other characters knew it worked. That's why they're chasing after the ambulance. Take me with you. They they get it now. Mm, I guess uh, just until you explained it a minute ago, I didn't understand like why the why like she had to have like a bullet in her, like why she had to. That's that's what's taking. But I get it. I get I get what you're saying now. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm also trying to fucking make sense to me. Sure, I'm, I'm also trying to explain it to like our our listeners too. So because like yeah. they might not understand as well. It's just like that's I just feel like everything was fulfilled. Like. That's what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Dan, is it making any sense to you at all, what I'm saying? No. Really? No, it's no. not. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that, like, like I said earlier, the only thing I don't understand why they did, I don't understand why they were doing the movements. Because I understand they didn't know Prairie was there to begin with anyway. But, um, <clears throat> you know, they knew that doing the five movements makes, the, you know, a, an invisible portal appear. And I didn't, I didn't know whether or not they were going to try and send a shooter through so he would disappear into another dimension, you know, as there is, it's their belief and all the rest of it. But I totally get that the reason why Prairie is shot, it's because, you know, like the, the, the guy in the kitchen tackles the gunman, the gun goes off and she gets shot and her, like, you know, dying again for like the thousandth time. But after the movements have been complete, is her transition into the portal? I, I totally understand that. Let's just hope that that is what actually happens in season two, if there is a season two, because that's one of the things that that I I need that answer. I need to know if it worked. I need to know that she's not crazy or anything like that. Um, but one of the things that um, <clears throat> I think 
like is proof that she's not insane is that she was blind at the beginning of this and something obviously happened when she was you know in captivity to make her see and whether or not she made it all up or you know whatever the hell it is she got her sight back that's a fact so you know it, some people think that she might still be uh, in a coma from when she was like a kid and she like crashed off of the bridge and all that sort of stuff they think that this is all just playing out in her mind and then maybe when she wakes up and she says homer like in the very very last few seconds that she's waking up from a coma and all of this has been like in her head i i don't want to believe that because that is going right back to fucking who shot jr bullshit yeah. um but yeah no i mean i i understand the the process and what happens afterwards, like you're saying with the bullet and that, that whole thing is, is her path to, you know, changing dimensions and stuff. But like I said, I, I don't understand wh- why that the five did it with a, like when they didn't even know that she was there. It was weird. But like I said, I, I was, I, it's difficult to say, man, uh, when a show gives me so much emotion, over things that are happening i i always fall in love with shows that make me feel stuff because so much we get so much shit now that you don't get anything from you know it's either like it's like a bit funny or it's you know it's a bit tear jerking or whatever nothing's really kind of like you know as like um oh, i can't think of the word like rounded yeah well and heartfelt and and real like sensei is a perfect example of this you can't watch sensei and not feel a connection with those characters and also not just kind of like fall back in love with humanity when you see all these different relationships and all these different people from all over the world. It's it, That's an incredible show. And this was very similar in that. Like I was saying earlier, I loved seeing all these different people from all walks of life coming together and making a connection with people. And like I've said to you before, Brian, like that, you know, that's what I'm all about. I, I love traveling and seeing people and, you know, like meeting all the army and things like that, like talking to people and making friends and finding like-minded people. That's what I'm all about. So what, uh, you know, this whole thing, when you, you bring all these misfits and, uh, you know, people with anger issues and people that have just been like shit on and trodden on throughout their lives. And then they have, this, these movements in the story empower them and that's why I was so fucking scared that it wasn't going to work because you know they would just they would get up they would do all these stupid like dance things that they believed in and then then they just got shot that's I was terrified that, that was going to happen but um you know didn't turn out that way I I actually think that the best person in the entire show is uh, the man that ran out of the kitchen with a hairnet on and took the gunman out I thought <laughs> he's a fucking hero that guy <laughs> you asked the question of like why did they all start dancing yeah well because it's satisfying that oh, it, it's it's for it's the it's show for, for the show it's for the story no. i mean i don't I, I can't tell you why they all came together and started to dance um yeah. i can't tell you why i can't tell you what was going on in their heads but had it just been a scene of them in this cafeteria terrified and that's where it ended i mean there's nothing that's not a compelling story so i'm glad it's not really a good finale is it no i mean <laughs> no. that's yeah it was it was gonna go three ways the, the way that i saw it. it was that was either gonna happen so the dance moves or like i said earlier they were gonna 
you know, they were going to look at each other. They're going to share that, like that bond and just sort of, you know, know what each other are thinking. And they were going to rush that gunman. And, you know, maybe a couple of them might have been shot and killed, but it would give anyone else a chance to, you know, like take him out. Um, or, or like you said, nothing would happen. And, um, they would just share a look and then that would be an end of it. But, you know, I, I think that the way that they went with this, it, it leads to a season two because having that end and the very last few seconds that they, they can't leave it like this. They really can't. I know that you're, <laughs> I know you're saying that, you know, you like it when there's questions unanswered. That drives me fucking crazy. Not knowing what the hell happened. Um, so yeah, roll on season two, man. I, I, and I, and that's the thing. If, whatever happens as long as it's not the coma that all this was in her head bullshit and they have some answers and and that you know and that this trans-dimensional portal thing is real and they are angels because they died and came back to life all that sort of stuff if that's all true i will 100 percent tupperware this show because and that is the only thing that's holding me back from it because like i said everything else is unbelievable in this show it really is i love it that's the question i want to ask you guys right now is let's get into this was prairie lying or is this real oh go ashley Mm. so for me i think that this show it's such a strange show because i think it it kind of like reveals some stuff like about you or at least it did for me like for me i want her to be telling the truth I do. I I like that story more, but I I believe that it's all fake. Like I think it's a, a lie. It seems like that's what they're presenting. And like I think I texted you this Brian that like the show gave me like after I watched it the first time like a mild existential crisis because I <laughs> the the like my desire to want to believe the fantastical and the magic of it all and be on board with that is so great, but yet I can't fully do that. Like I can't commit to being like, I believe her because it just seems so like the evidence they, there's too much evidence to back up that she was lying and I'm not willing to completely suspend my disbelief and like give in to the fun magic of the show. And like, and like, I think I do that a lot in like my real life where I'm not fully committing to like, the magic of people and getting to know people and the world and stuff. And so for me, this show was like a weird, like it would be so much better for me if I could just believe Prairie, it would be a more fun show for me. I would want a season two, but like, I'm not, I have to go to therapy or something or do some work. Like I'm not there yet. (laughs) Damn. I, I, I think that they, they make an effort to to prove that it's made up and i mean she clearly went somewhere for 7 years she clearly got her sight back i'm curious what actually happens to her but but for me i think that this like a the fbi guy says it's like a the secondhand trauma a way of her being able to deal with something horrific that's happened to her is to make up this grandiose story and it did bring these people together and it did do this amazing thing but i don't necessarily believe that the magical element of it is reality does that make sense no yeah that makes sense dan what did you think 
Um, uh, I've got I've got to believe. I've got to believe. Otherwise, the show is no good. As yeah. that's it for me. Because like I said, she got her sight back. That's that's a fact. And as long as it's not J too short JR crap, then that it's it's such a cool original story. And it's like I when. Like Brian said, have you watched OA? And I was like, I'm actually just watching it now. And then every sort of like few episodes, I would I would message him. I'd be like, this is just like Flatliners, but even more <laughs> insane. <laughs> and um, no, I have to believe, man, because if if what she said isn't true, then it nullifies the the entire season. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm in the camp. I believe what she, everything that she said is is true. Um, and as far as like the books go that they found, I'd sort of interesting theory of uh, that the fbi guy that ash was talking about actually planted them there what is he doing in the house exactly why the fuck is that guy there in the middle of the night <laughs> he planted them yeah. there yeah that's why I, I i reckon that 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 has that definitely has legs that theory um that he put them there that the government doesn't want anyone to know about this whole idea that there's all these different dimensions, like the multiverse thing, and obviously we know from Hap as well, and his um his colleague that his colleague was looking into the exact same thing. So they actually have people, not just Hap, looking into this, you know, this other reality. So you know that I like that theory; it, it has legs. So yeah, no, I believe, man, I believe, but I just want my belief fucking concreted in in season two, and then I'll be super happy. I'm... Yeah, if they confirm that it's all true, like I'm so back on board. <laughs> but I I believe it's true as well. Um I yeah, there's I don't know, man. She like Dan said, I mean, these are two huge points. She gets her sight back. I mean, she she leaves and comes back and she can see. I mean, I don't know. That's all. I don't know. That's just that's a big one for me. Um, and then also, why was Riz Ahmed's character in the house? And that's just. I mean, in in the moment, we're all kind of like in the shoes of the high school student. Like, oh, you're busted. You're in the house. But then it's like, once once you think about that scene, you're like, what the fuck was he doing in the house? Yeah, <laughs> that's fuck. That's Riz Ahmed. Yeah, that's Riz Ahmed. <laughs> I did not recognize him. Yeah, yeah. Um, at all. That was, uh, that was Riz Ahmed from, uh, yeah, Bodie Rook from, uh, Rogue One. That was him. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, mind blown. But why? <laughs> so I think the books, I think the books were all, were all planted. I really do. I think that, uh, I can't believe that she was just off for seven years reading books. Yeah. Or. And, and yeah, well, I, don't, I, I, I mean, I don't think that she was off somewhere just reading books for seven years. Well, okay, okay. In between that time, she was. Re- I don't. I did not saying she fucking was just checked into a library twenty four seven for seven years. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I just find it weird that that for seven years she just was coping by reading books and and making these stories up in her head. And then seven years later, she's going to come back. She just felt, she just felt like, I guess it just, it would seem really sad for me for this show to just be a show about mental illness. Like at the end of it. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it just seems really sad. Like, okay, by the end of the show, it's just a show about mental illness and, uh, and about the people that it affects. And, uh, the fact that like, I would love some redemption for the characters of uh, at least the father. Um, not her Russian father, but, Jar- um, 
her her adopted father. Um, the mother <laughs> kind of drives me nuts. I oh god. I I think she's a. I think I think her motives for adopting her in the beginning were very selfish. Um, it was just someone that she could that she viewed as helpless that would be there to love her, and I I don't. Yeah. I, I know that, she even says that. She said, I picked her because I thought she'd need me forever. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm just not, I'm not, people, people should be able to not feel like they're helpless and independent, uh, and, and dependent. I mean, she should have been raising her daughter to live like a normal person in society so that one day she can function on her own. There are many blind people that live by themselves and handle their day to day, uh, things that they need to do by themselves. And it just, her mother just rubbed me the wrong way the entire series, and like, and then hiding the note from the father for. Oh, oh my god, dude! What a bitch! Let the motherfucking guy eat his fucking waffles. Get the fuck out of his face! Like, oh yeah! Oh my god! I was waiting for him to throw that hot coffee in her face and being like, "Ma'am, if you do not get away from me." <laughs> That was a great scene because I mean, uh, and she was so fucking annoying during that as well. And I was exactly the same as you, Brian. I was just like, "Oh, just leave him alone." Yeah, he needs to fucking process this shit. You've been lying to him for like thirty years. Well, oh, it's sorry, not thirty years. I'm fucking like seven, seven years. years. Yeah, and and he's like been your husband, you know, since forever, and. Just, just let him think, just for a bit. But she couldn't. She just kept fucking nagging him. It was horrible. But you know, in a great way. And again, like it just made me feel like all like squeamish inside. And I was like, oh, just fucking, just get out of there, dude. Just go and go for a drive. Just go somewhere else. Just get away from her. She's horrible yeah. right now. He had to eat that good. waffle though. It was a good looking waffle. Um, oh, that that looked great. He made that himself too. He's oh, he's talented. I know, dude. Those those waffle griddles are like amazing. So, um, but, but yeah, man, I didn't like the mother. I liked him. I just don't want this show to be like at the end of it. Like, okay, let's say they give us two seasons or three seasons of this show, which I I can only see this show going at the most three seasons. I can't see them taking it that far. Yeah. But let's say at the end of it, it's just a show about mental illness and these th- this mother and this uh, this adoptive mother and this father just a waste of their lives i mean they this you know what i mean like it, it really yeah, is mm-hmm. I, they, I i feel like there's no redemption for them either here i mean a girl that's that lived with them and then obsessed about her her birth father and just left them for seven years and wouldn't tell them anything and they've gone insane over the last seven years worrying about her and wondering where she is and then she comes back and won't open up and then and then we find out that that she's also uh, this character that we've been following has also just been manipulating people. Has just been manipulating yeah. people. So by so by the end of season three, we find out that she's just a character with mental illness. And yeah. the lesson here is that you can't trust anyone in this life. That there's yeah. nothing right. special. There's nothing. Uh, yeah. There's nothing to look forward to. Like it, everyone's a liar, and people with mental illness can't be trusted. Like that's a horrible message. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also like if you play out the show like that, like not only is the message like you can't trust people, but you also can't trust showrunners and writers to you know like that's also a real like. And also, don't trust the TV show you're watching because it's going to be about something you didn't think it was about completely. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if they like do that, like unreli- unreliable narrator like times a thousand if they were to do that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would it would cheapen the whole thing, and that's why I was saying like none of this JR stuff because it would cheapen everything that we saw, and it would just it would make everything that I connected to throughout the show it would just make it all bullshit, which mm-hmm. is a that's a that's a real shitty thing to do to your audience to suddenly just turn around and go oh yeah you know those characters that you loved and that you know like had this amazing journey with well they were just in her head and it wasn't real or she was just lying to them the whole time. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck you. Right. You know, d- don't do that because that would suck. Plus it's, that is not creative writing either. You know, like just to have the, cause anyone can write any kind of fantastical story. And then at the end of it, not explain anything. Yeah. And you know? be like, psych, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm afraid that they're going to do. But you know, if if they don't, if it carries on in, in a similar vein and we get to, you know, she ends up like in another reality and she's still looking for Homer and things like that. But she has the movements and, you know, that'd be really cool. It really would be. And, you know, she she would have touched uh, all the other characters lives as well in such a positive way. It's, it's such a cool idea, but I just don't want them to fuck it up because I <laughs> really, really like this show. I really do, man. Like I said, the only reason it's not a Tupperware is because of the unanswered questions because it's because I am a fucking cynic and a bit of a pessimist when it comes to writing a shows that if they, you know, fuck it all off and go, it's all bullshit. Then that's it. You know, it would it would slip down the rating because it, mm-hmm. it just it cheapens the writing, it cheapens the characters, and you might as well not have even bothered and just started off. You know, in, in season two, when everything that she said was a lie. No, I totally, I, Dan, I totally one hundred percent get that. But see, like, I will rate it accordingly when they fuck it up. Once they get to that yeah, point, exactly. I will rate it accordingly. <laughs> I will rate it accordingly to the fuck up. I can't pre. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I can't preemptively yeah. say, like, well, you know what? They could fuck this up, so this season's just not as good because of something they may or may not do. No, I, this 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 season, I thought, was uh, so intriguing that it makes me want that second season so much more. I, I want to know what happens. I'd love to see where the characters go. I want to see what's up with Homer and all these other characters. So I loved it. I give it a Tupperware. Um but, you know, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, and Ashley doesn't even give a fuck if we get a season two. She's like, I don't give no, a shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> She's I mean, like, like, I think for me, I'm, I'd love if they did a season two, I'd watch it, but, like, I don't need it. I think that how they leave the end of the show so open-ended, I don't know, it kind of feels like, for me, a bit of a cop-out of just being, like, they have so many options with the end of the show. Either it's over or she was lying, or it's all real, and it's all what you think, and let's see how the public reacts to it, and then we'll figure out if we're going to do a season two and and what that is going to be. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like creatively they left it so that they have the opportunity to do any of those options, and that feels like a cop-out. Like, I'd prefer it to lean one way and it just doesn't for me i prefer it to feel more like i wish we like saw homer's face when she said homer then i'd be like oh fuck i get where we're going but it's so open-ended like uh, okay i don't i don't know i don't know there's there's so many different ways to look at this there's so many different ways okay so we see so so we see homer's face at the end of it ashley and then we then we don't get a season two then it's like it's a, what like what the fuck now okay fuck I'd you probably still stay taste it like I mean I don't know I don't know what else they could have done to really get me I the the seriously the last like 
the last episode moved it from a Tupperware to a taste it for me in there. I don't know what they could have done to fix it other than have a different ending to the show. You guys just want answers now. You guys just don't, you guys just want all the answers now. I prefer there to be like a, prefer some answers. I'm fine with, like Lost is one of my favorite TV shows. I'm fine with weird, ambiguous shit, like make it up on your own. But to me, it feels like that the creators also didn't make up their mind toward the end of it. And I think that's what bothers me is I feel like they don't even know where it's going. (laughs) The fucking the guys that made up Lost were making that shit up episode to episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, and it's problematic, <laughs> but it's still one of my favorite TV shows. Yeah, Believe but like, me, like, I mean, but 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 you're basically I, I praising, lo- but you're praising Lost, Lost you're praising Lost for doing what this show did too. You're no, yeah, you're, and I it didn't work for me at the end of this show. Okay. Maybe I had years and years and years to get to know the characters of Lost and become too heavily invested. But but the eight hours that I spent with these characters towards the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm cool with it being over. Yeah, see, I, I think you I, I I think you can look at it any way you want to. I don't know. Yeah, for totally. me it for and me it worked. For me it worked. I think that what I, I honestly think like yes, they left it a little bit open ended because they don't know if they're going to get a season two. Is that satisfying for everyone? No. Is it satisfying for some? Sure. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you've got to play it that way. I, I, there's been so many shows that I've watched, I've invested two to three seasons in, and they left a cliffhanger. And do they come back and finish it up? No, the show got canceled. And I, I've always wondered, like, what happens on this series? And so I'm. That you've got to, you've got to take that into account when you're doing a series like this. I mean, I guess they could have been like, I I don't know how else they they could have ended it though. I I think like this is the ending that they wanted. I think it is. I it ends with her getting fucking shot in the chest. I don't know what else they could have done to to answer things that they don't want to answer before they get a season two, which I think they intend on making if they have the chance. I just feel like you give us one more thing, you're going to give us an answer that they don't want to give us. Right now, they they want to wait and they want to hold play their uh, hold their cards close to their chest for season two, and I'm I'm willing to wait for that if we get that season two. Yeah, I'm just impatient. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, some of the fucking amazing things that I absolutely loved about this is the the score, like, and especially the original pieces of music, like when um uh, Renata's playing the guitar. I've never heard the guitar played that way before in my entire life. And I've played with fucking countless guitarists and just having like, it, it, it shows you what Hap, you know, Dr. Hap is looking for with these people when he's trying to find them and she gets on stage and she starts playing and it is just like this fucking incredibly like emotional and like emotive piece of music and she's just like in almost like in this weird like serene trance when she's Mm -hmm. playing it It, it's so cool to like watch and listen to and and, you know relate to what Hap is looking to uh, looking for in these people like when uh, Prairie's playing the violin and stuff like that it man it Ah. was so cool it was a really interesting way for him to find these people out it's cool but it's also like disturbing because you know what's going on in his head like oh I'm gonna take oh yeah exactly I'm gonna take this (laughs) thing that is beautiful and destroy it for the purposes put it in a cage yeah Yeah. for the purpose of science so yeah Yeah, did did you cheer when they brought uh, Scott back to life 
where you just like they've been doing the movements yes. uh, like an entire night and then Rachel notices <laughs> something with the blood and they all start looking and then the blood starts like going back into his body I was like I... yes he's fucking alive <laughs> and I was like it's real it's fucking real it's not bullshit I cheered I actually cheered when he came out of it and he's like <gasps> and he's like I, you know, he's like, I know the third movement. I believe you. Yeah. That's when yeah. I, because it's like, oh my gosh, this guy that's been like an asshole, which I can understand why. Like, for people to be upset, like, I can't believe he's acting this way. I'm pretty sure that anybody who's been abducted and is going through this mental torture night and day, night and day, I mean, they can act any way they want to act. You know what I mean? Like, this guy, the way he's acting, it's not upsetting me. You know? Like, dude, yeah. you react however you want to react. You're getting tortured every fucking day. So yeah, I feel like I'm Scott in this scenario where I'm like, please stop dancing. Fuck off until I die and come back to life. And I'm like, guys, guess what? I'm so on board. I believe you guys. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like – um Okay, like, it's just how people kind of, like, you can look at it one of two different ways. Like, they really believe that this these movements are going to get them out of there, or it's just something to hold on to. If you have no sort of hope, yeah. then you're just going to go crazy. I mean, uh, the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks starts talking to a goddamn volleyball. Why? Otherwise, he's going <laughs> to... Otherwise, otherwise he's going to go nuts. Yeah, it's kind of nuts to talk to a fucking volleyball, but on the flip side, it helped keep him sane for the time that yeah. he was on the island. So, um but I mean, that's the thing. It's like they, they were always looking for that hope. And it was like, I, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I believe in these movements. I don't know. I don't know what I believe yet, but I'm glad they're doing them. I'm glad they're doing something, you know? Yeah. Cause every yeah. one of their, uh, their attempts to escape failed. And uh, I mean, the, 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 the bit with the stew oh. and he was allergic to the tomato paste that they put in there. And then she had to go get, Oh God, it, it, and this is why I think this show is so fucking cool as well, is because she stands there and she's obviously thinking, what if I just like let him die when she's trying to go get the EpiPen? And he mm-hmm. says, don't even think about it. You don't know the code for the door. Your friends will starve to death if you don't help me right now. And then she goes and runs. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> runs, goes, gets the EpiPen. And then she finds the fucking body as well in the bathtub of the lady they couldn't bring back. Yeah. And oh, that was that Couldn't, was horrible. But then and then the bit with the letter as well. That was, I mean, so we had the, yeah. the stew and that failed. And and I was like, oh shit, that sucks. But they'll find another way. So then you know she finds the ring, she gets the envelope, and she brings it downstairs. And and we're like, oh my god, they're, they're going to get out. They're going to get they're going to get found. And it's so tense when they're passing the uh, the oh, letter man. in in yeah in the baggie through the water. Mm-hmm. They get it all down. They get down information that I didn't even think, you know, that they should be writing, like, you know, people's addresses and their, like, their friends and family and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then they have to give it back to fucking Prairie. And he's like, have you got it? Have you got it? She's like, yeah, I can feel the bag. And he's like, make sure you've got it. And then he lets it go and she loses it and she can't see the damn thing. And because Scott is so like disenfranchised and pissed off with the whole idea, he's laying on his bed and then they're like, Scott, fucking get it. And he just like <laughs> scrambles, shoves his arm down the thing and he's gone. And you know, it's like a, it's a, like a, it's like a, you know, a fresh spring water stream that goes down into the fucking ground <laughs> and she says that it's gonna be lost for about three thousand years or some shit like that it's like oh god they're never getting out so like you said brian man that after all those attempts failed 
the movements and like the whole idea that of what prairie is telling them that, that, that they are angels and stuff and the movements that becomes their way out so you're totally right man they needed that so badly mm-hmm. and even when uh you know homer like they they get the that whole gasting right for the first time mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then Homer is uh, completely lucid when he is taken to the uh, to the death chamber, and um, it became his mission to stay alive and not have the gas until he actually. Oh, died. this was twisted Groundhog's Day. This was like oh. this was like Groundhog's Day Saw edition. It was oh, fucked man. up, man. It was brutal. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> Dude, the then, drowning with drowning was ter- watching them drown was terrifying. Yeah, it was it was really good. I love the way that he had to, uh, you know, like he had to try and find something alive when he passed over. That's what she told him because she ate the bird and mm-hmm. she was like, just find something living and eat it. And he's like, first thing he's in the the vent and then he's chasing off that spider <laughs> he like crashes through the, crashes through the vent and then he gets that horrible like like anemone thing out of the uh out of the the aquarium i was like why are you just go for a fucking fish but no he he goes for the horrible like you know cone shaped thing with all the tentacles coming out of it and chokes that down he's like i don't feel any different <laughs> it's like yeah. oh that didn't work shit can't yeah can't you find like a clownfish like a little nemo or something to eat you gotta eat like gosh you got something that might help you at some point instead of something that just sits at the bottom of the ocean right that's like (laughs) shit that anthony bourdain wouldn't eat on his show so um let's take a quick break let's take a quick break we've gone on almost an hour here so i'm gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back cool all right we are back uh i'm gonna talk a little bit more about the oa um Let's see here. Who are your favorite characters throughout this uh, throughout this show? Hmm. I don't know. So many. <laughs> like, give me a minute. I was like, Jeez, it's I'm, just I'm, hard to narrow it down. There's just so many. I love them all. She says. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to go first, Ash? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I really like Steve. I thought he was really cool. The the, the bully kid that uh. She taught. She was trying to teach him to work on his invisible self. I thought that that whole storyline was was really good, very very touching. And I also really like um, oh god, uh, BBA Betty, you know the teacher. Yeah, <clears throat> she was fantastic, especially when they were going to take Steve away to the military school. Uh, military school, and uh, she gave the guys. $50,000 to just let him go and forget about him. That was so cool. When she was in front of the van and she went, I've got something that you will want. And I was like, what's she got? And then she reeks into, reaches into her pocket. And then, of course, we've already had the scene where she says that, you know, the money's not important. It's like she doesn't want to cash the check because, and Prairie says, because that's basically the last part of your brother. And, um, and she's like, yeah. And so she has no attachment to the money, and she just fucking gives it to these guys, and they let Steve go. That was that was a great moment. I've got to admit, man, I loved all of the sort of the five that that she brought mm-hmm. together. Yeah, I thought they were great, and but also all the captives as well. They were all amazing in their own way. When Rachel sings, um, I just goosebumps like all over. I was like, oh, that is incredible. Again, going back to the whole. <clears throat> music thing so he probably oh, i don't know whether or not he heard her sing or not but that's 
probably how he kind of like zoned in on her and made his decision because her voice was amazing and i love the fact that it was where it seems to be recorded live like from the cell so you have mm-hmm. like the acoustics of the the cell like giving that weird fucking otherworldly echo very very cool what about you ash um so bba is probably one of my favorite she's i just that actress is she's so subtle in her stuff and that character was so sad in the beginning and she really grows into this kind of take charge not a victim not sad anymore kind of woman and like i really enjoyed her journey a lot i i loved homer i that actor is bananas like i hope that he goes on to do like tons of other things and like leads and stuff because that actor is phenomenal. Oh, he was the one of the leading males, leading leading men in Brooklyn. You need to watch that movie if you want to see more yeah, of I him. Seen it. He's fantastic <laughs> in that, and that's uh, Cersa uh, Ronan is the lead in that movie. It's so good. And then um, I didn't like the character of Hap because how could you really? But. Uh, it, the journey that you go on with Hap, he does that actor in the beginning. You're, you're weirdly sympathetic for him in places in that show. And I think that's a testament to, to the writing and his acting because he could just be a character of a monster and he's, and he's not. Yeah. Which I think is, is impressive. Yeah. Did you like the bit where, um, he was so caught up in everything and, um, he played Prairie, the, the rings of Saturn music. And then he's yeah. listening to it on the headphones and he's so wrapped up in everything that he's thinking about. They get, Oh, I'm so close. Like we've got actual evidence. This is like what she heard. And the fucking cop comes up behind him yeah. and sticks the gun in the back of his head. Oh. And he's watching all the screens where all the captives are. Fuck. That was a yeah. good moment. And it, it, yeah, his his obsession and like blind eye to to how like reality is creeping in on him is how they end the episode seven with just the gun to the back of his head was phenomenal. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, nice seeing. Like, well, now I know it's Riz Ahmed as well. I really liked the uh, the FBI therapist guy. I thought he was very cool. Um, really liked the bit where he he was talking to like you know. Uh, Prairie's parents and mm-hmm. the mum was trying to push the fucking medication again. She's like, well, we could put her back on her medication. And he like immediately changes the subject and says, you guys should do something nice and hang out together and go for a meal, spend a bit of time together. And then the mum's like, loves that idea. She's like, yeah, that's, that's really nice. And he just completely takes her mind off of it. But yeah. as we all know, that went fucking horribly wrong. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe she slapped her. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was it, like, when Alfa- Alfonso turns up and yeah. he's like, do you want to get out of here? <laughs> it's like, you yeah. fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it for French. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it when she slapped her. I was just like, just more reason for me to hate this woman. Yeah. <laughs> just like so, so shrewish. Like, take a deep breath, lady. You haven't seen your daughter in seven years. Like, it's understandable that you as a mother are going through something, but get it to fucking together. Like you can't push your daughter who's been gone seven years and her like out of touch with what's really happening is, ah, yeah, she's such a bitch. But she freaks out about that selfie. It's so cringy. 
Um, like, lower your voice. Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, uh, Entertainment Weekly, actually, they, uh, spoke with Britt Marling and, uh, Zal Batmanglidge, uh, about this series and they asked them a ton of interesting questions. Uh, they, they asked them, uh, about the research that they did for this series. And Marling said it required doing a lot of research. There were stories of people who had these experiences and came back with different skills. So she, she's basically talking about these people with these NDEs, these near-death experiences. They actually did some research on people that had gone through NDE before. Uh, she goes on to say they were tone-deaf before and came back with perfect pitch or had wow. sudden language fluency. Uh, it's this interesting, strange thing, and there's a convergence around near-death experiences from all over the world. People report the same thing despite different religions. It seemed like a rich setting to dive into. So they're trying to take it from like real-world stuff, um, things that have happened in the real world, and kind of put it into this story as well. So this isn't all, you know, it's just not like it's all fiction. Like, of course, this is a fiction piece, but they're trying to take from like real experiences from people that had NDE before. Uh, Batman Glish actually went on to say that they, uh, Britt and I also went across the Midwest and visited a different high school every day. It was uh, eye-opening to see what high school kids are experiencing today. It's very different than when I was in high school or in the John Hughes films. Kids are connected to the internet 24-7, so they're getting bullied at school, and that can happen at 11 o'clock at night it was an intense thing to encounter these kids. They had both a lot of wisdom and they were also searching for something. That's what I felt at least. So they also went to, to schools here in the Midwest, um, looking, <laughs> looking to see how kids act today in, uh, in school. So I thought that was very interesting that they went to those depths as well. Yeah. A lot of research done for this show. That's really cool. It's good to know. Yeah. Um, but- Let's see here. This is a this is an amazing interview that they had. They um, what what are some of the other questions that they had? Uh, EW asked, "How would Prairie know or be able to convince her listeners that she knew about Jason Isaac's character killing the other scientist? Because she could only really tell them about what she experienced, what she saw, right, or or didn't see, or she heard, you know, or what was told to her secondhand." Um, Batman Glish says she does say to Homer that he killed a man. Hold on, my sister's here. Hold on. All right, yeah, we are back. Sorry for the interruption. Um, let's see here. I just asked the question, you know, how would Prairie know uh, or be able to convince her listeners that she knew about Jason Isaac's character killing the other scientist? And then uh, Batman Glish, his said uh, she does say to Homer that he killed a man. It's implied that he told her stuff that we don't see. So uh, I guess off-camera stuff? Yeah, sounds like it. I do remember that line as well. She says she thinks that he killed somebody. Right. Uh, Entertainment Weekly also asked, uh, could you talk more about the idea that within Prairie's story, she had been transported to the rings of Jupiter? Do you guys remember that? Because I don't. What? It's the rings of Saturn. Rings yeah. of Saturn. Yeah. Why did they, they, they put rings of Jupiter. I didn't think Jupiter had rings, but I'm just it reading. They're fucking morons. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> so Batman Glish says, I can't talk about that. That's exactly what I can't talk about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, it was the scene where, um, she goes back into the, like the stardust room where, um, yeah. Uh, I've forgotten the character's name. You know, the, like the, the oh, Russian lady. Yes. Is her name Katan? Sure. This sounds good. If her yeah, name's no, not... You're right. Yep. You are correct. It's Katan. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, she goes into the room for the, that'll be the third time, and all the lights start dimming, and Katan's not there, and and then she hears this noise. That's what's being like played over in the background. It's like this weird, like ominous, you know, like droning sound. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes back, he plays her the music of like, you know, have you heard this? And then he goes through like three different sounds. She doesn't recognize any of them except for the last one. And he sees that she recognizes it even without her acknowledging it. And then he says, yeah, well that, this is the recording from NASA from Saturn's rings. Cause they actually make, make a noise and it was kind of like well, that's fucking weird <laughs> that was strange I don't know what the hell it means but it's definitely there hmm yeah I don't know what that means either and that's got to be something since he's saying that's what he can't talk about that has to be something that we're if we do get a season two that they are going to go over in that season yeah uh, Entertainment Weekly also asked, at what point in the writing did you come up with the ending, and were there other ideas for how to end it? Britt Marling, mm. Britt Marling said, it was always leading to that moment. The thing that was in the DNA was that the story gets tested and that they believe in the story so much that they're skeptical at first, but then lean into it and believe, and it really unites them. And then, of course, the bottom drops out. I think it was always about the final moments being about whether there's something that her story contains that tells the truth for them that mattered, whether or not every aspect of it was true. And that's really true as a filmmaker. You make something and then it doesn't belong to you anymore. It's up to the audience's interpretation of what feels true and important and meaningful to them and what doesn't. It feels to me like most of the provocative questions that are raised are eventually answered from a writing perspective. There isn't anything we haven't solved in our heads, but the question is, how long does the story continue? In terms of the core emotional story, it's really about an outsider who has a traumatic experience and comes back to the small town she grew up in, and there's a group of lost boys having their own traumatic experience, and there's something in her story that moves them, something they need. So whether or not they believe the story is true... The boys are changed by the experience, and so is she. So in that sense, everything about the core emotional storyline between the strange woman and the group of boys resolves itself in the end. They also, uh, Britt, they said, Britt, do you have a definitive opinion in your mind in terms of the truth of it? And she says, as an actor, I certainly do. I think you have to know where you're coming from, but I don't want to say it out loud. What I felt was the truth as an actor doesn't matter anymore. And they also asked, can you say if the gunman is a character who appears previously on the show? Batman Glish says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think there are any right or wrong answers. (laughs) (laughs) God. Son of a bitch. (laughs) So they're definitely being very tight-lipped when it comes to things because I'm I'm sure they are wanting to get a season two uh, out of this. Um, THR talked with them about season two and they asked, does the ambiguity, the ambiguity, uh, mean this is the end of the story or could we see a second season? Batman Glish says, I think this is a story that's carefully planned. I don't think any of us have thought about a second season right now because we're exhausted. But yeah, when we started, Britt and I spent two or three years conceiving a whole world before we brought it to anybody, before it even left our bedrooms. Things are going on on there. Uh, Marling said, I think from the very beginning when we were on our day, uh, 
on our own, daydreaming a story, we definitely thought how we can construct something that many seasons out has a satisfying end. So there is an end and there Mm. is an answer to every riddle and nothing is done to just be sound and fury going nowhere. It all goes somewhere. And as to whether or not we get to tell that, I certainly hope that we do. There is a place that season two already begins in our minds and a place in which it ends. So let's go back to our original statements. <laughs> can we, can, do you guys want to explore those again now that she's kind of said that yes, they, they, they've spent two to three years thinking about this story, conceiving this whole world. They have an idea of everything where it wants to go. I, I got to assume by those statements that they ended it the way they wanted this first season to end and that they ha- they do have they do have something planned out for us. Do you guys still feel in the way you feel or or does that yeah, leave you a little bit I, more hopeful? No, I feel exactly the same way. I'm glad that they have everything planned out because, you know, with with the other examples that we brought out, that's not the way that a lot of things are written. Um and it was but again, it depends which way they go because it just know you know knowing writers and and stuff like that, uh, they could just turn around and go, no, it's all just a dream all along. So you know, it, they might have planned that out, and but that's definitely not the end that um, that I want to see. So uh, yeah, I was I was still a high taste it because of that. And I, it it doesn't really change much for me. I I am happy to hear that they had a plan worked out. I mean, that's, I definitely have more confidence. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but I mean, it's, I was unaware that they had worked on this show for like two to three years and they had planned out seasons and seasons. That's great. I'm glad that they have a clear direction. It didn't feel like that to me in that last episode. And so knowing that they did have intent doesn't really change how I feel about it. But it does give me more confidence in the prospects of season two. That you know that they have a clear, constructed plan makes me more interested in what's to come, rather than like, Ooh, let's just see. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. doesn't Brit Marling really piss you off in the fact that she's a brilliant actor, she's a great writer, and she's gorgeous. She's just one of those people that just seems to fucking have everything at the moment. And she also seems like weirdly smart, like just so <laughs> yeah, intelligent too. Yeah, she's really clever. I know. Yeah, she's that's... just one of those, I bet she's lovely as well. I bet she's like really nice person, and yeah. she's just one of those people that you you want to strangle because they're so good at everything. And yeah, she's, oh, she seems man, like she's genuinely good and happy, and that's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's sometimes it's not enough for these people to just be good at like one thing. They got to be a jack of all trades. They got to like uh, run the gamut on the whole trifecta here. Like Jared Leto, not only is he a uh, actor, but he's also a rock star. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah. you've you've yep. heard like you know most actors want to be rock stars and most rock stars want to be actors. Well, he's both. It's like fuck you, dude. And he's like really good looking. So yeah, yeah. Oscar yeah, Isaac's is successful at both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Oscar Isaac's is the same, and uh, a voiceover artist that I follow a lot as well called Troy Baker. He's exactly the same as well. And he again, just you watch these interviews with these people, and Troy Baker and Oscar Isaac's as well. They're just really nice, 
and they're just like mm-hmm. really down to earth. They're not like you know up in this weird like celebrity stratosphere. They're just really nice, and everyone that interviews them is like, "He's oh, a really nice guy." It's like, "Oh fuck I you!" Think Ryan Gosling seems like exactly the same, and he has like weird musical side products projects too, where you're just like, "Really, you're you're incredibly good looking. You're good at acting. You seem slightly normal, and you have all these other fucking talents." Like, save some for the rest of us, schmucks. Welcome to the second part of our podcast where we express our jealousy over everyone else. Um, I am great. <laughs> now, it's true, though. It, like, Keanu Reeves, he tries, but, like, his band sucks. So Yes, exactly. Oh. That's, why, that's why we love him. Yeah, that's is, true. Is it called Dog Star? Is Dog, it Star. Dog Star. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it. Thank yeah. you. And, uh, one of my friends. I have seen is, uh, them live. Really? They what were they like live? A summer festival that I went to. <laughs> what were they like? Um, exactly <laughs> what you think they're gonna be like? <laughs> okay. Yeah, one of my friends was an extra on um one of his movies, and he was saying how Keanu like he he's not just like you know a nice a nice dude like you read about him in the press. <clears throat> he walks around set off camera just like ted from from bill and ted and you know with the floppy arms and everything and just kind of like lolloping around and he never goes back to his trailer for anything he always eats with the cast and crew and all the extras and he spends most of his time just getting to know people and you know and that includes not just the other cast and crew but like the extras as well the people that are there you know for just for like a week he'll ask them like where they're from and you know what they're up to and how their extra career is going or if they're looking at going into acting and everything he is a son of a bitch he's just way (laughs) too nice and but but he's crap at music so you know that's why we love him (laughs) yeah and he makes and he makes some of the worst best movies ever Oh yes, most definitely. I knew a guy that was, uh, he was a bodyguard for Damon Wayans for, over the course of like a production of one of his films and he was, you know, talked to him, whatever, and then like it was the last day of filming and he spent all this time with Damon Wayans and said, hey, you know, it's the last day of filming, I was hoping I could get a uh, autograph from you. And he said no. What? Yeah. <laughs> No, said don't da- fucking he, Bruce Willis us, you he, twat. Yeah, he said, <laughs> well, they were both in The Last Boy Scout, so he learned a lot from Bruce. <laughs> but man, I could, yeah, I was, that was sad because I've always kind of liked Damon Wayans um, up until recently with with that and then, you know, some of the other recent statements that he's, had, that he's made over the past couple of years. But uh, yeah, that was that was upsetting. It's uh, so crazy. Let's, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it, man. Especially if you've been hanging with the dude. It's not like he was having dinner with his family and some random person just come up to him and asked for his autograph. I can understand why that's really annoying. Yeah. But, you know, for some guy you've spent the last you know like two months with or something, and you've like bonded with, and then you go, oh, can you just you know, I had a really good time. You know, let's take a selfie, and if you could sign that, that'd be awesome. It'd give me something to remember you by, and what yeah. a great time we had. Yeah. It's like, nah. No, this is, yeah, and we're gonna get back to the OA here real quick, so chill out. If, <laughs> you know, if you got a problem with it, just get on iTunes, give us a one star review. It won't, it's no skin off my back. But, like, if, it's one thing to be on the set with a guy and work with him every day, 
in some capacity, it's another thing to be that asshole that shows up at the airport because you got a tip that a celebrity is going to be showing up. You know what I mean? Precisely. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that, that, those are completely two different things, but let's get back to the OA here real quick. Yes. And then, then we'll wrap up here real, uh, real quick. The Vulture had a great article about the OA and the ending, uh, for this season one. And they have some questions here. And I'm going to ask you guys, we've already covered some of them, but I'm going to ask you guys some of these questions, uh, that they asked in the article. And I want to get your thoughts on it. And then uh, I'll go over some of their thoughts on it. I, I think we need to dive into it a little bit more. Um, they asked, let's see here. What's a good one? Um, where is Prairie in the last moments of the season? And they're talking about uh, the all-white room. Ooh. I don't want to think that she's in some kind of a hospital or mental facility. Yeah. Um, but I'm worried that that's what it is. Um, it seems it seems like her white shirt. I know it seems very clinical. I think it's a hospital. Yeah, so do I. I really do. And that's one of the, you know, another reason why I think they might be going down that, that road because mm-hmm. of that, those last few seconds. So yeah, I think she might be in a, you know, a mental facility or, you know, in a hospital and she's how, just slipped we, out of a coma. Do, yeah, but like, could she have actually, I mean, could she have actually been somewhere, you know, like, and now she's coming back and saying Homer? Could there be, we don't know how much time has passed when we see her again. Right, I assume that it's her, it's her waking up in wherever she is is sometime after the ambulance, and so that I assume maybe it's after they save her life, and now she's in a hospital somewhere. Okay, that's what I'm going with. Dan, you're kind of like you're thinking the same. Yeah, I am, man. I, d- I don't think that it's going to be related to the story that we heard, um, which is why I'm so concerned about about the like which where they're going to go with it i don't think that um oh god it's so annoying to say this but i don't think that anything that happened is real and that she wakes up and it was all a dream um if not then she could just be recovering from her gunshot wound and she doesn't die and that's that's a more positive way of looking at it for me that she's still in the reality that you know all this happened in but um that that yeah the the you know the prior seems a bit more obvious and a bit more sort of like true to where they're going with it so that's a little bit worrying uh the article goes on to say we see her alone in an all-white room that evokes uh what heaven might look like if you believe that prairie actually got shot and killed scenario it's reasonable to assume she died and is now kicking it in a version of the afterlife that unlike the one on the good place is probably devoid of quality froyo. Uh, that's a dumb. <laughs> they think they're being so like witty there. Uh, but like everything on this show, there are several other possibilities. After she was shot, Prey may have recovered and is now in a mental hospital. Uh, she could have been sent to a facility where she is being studied yet again by some people like Hap. Uh, we really don't know. Or maybe the portal actually did work. I am okay with that ambiguity. Uh, others may not be. I, I think that she is in some sort of a hospital. Probably she will be greeted by Riz Ahmed's character. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, whoever he's been working for is, I, I, but I think we're gonna, they're, they're going to be seriously intrigued by her 
her story and what's going on because it just seems weird that he was in the house <laughs> that night. There's something oh, yeah. going on there. He's looking for something or planting something. So I think that we haven't seen the last of his character and he'll be showing up in the second season if we do get it. Yeah. Uh, can we take a quick pause for a sec? Sorry, dude. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. All right. So now uh, we've been asking these questions from Vulture. And one of the questions that uh, we didn't uh, – we kind of maybe talked about it a little bit. But what about – was the stuff about Prairie's life in Russia true? So, I mean, we we ha- we have to think that she's from Russia originally because, you know, we, we do know – uh, that her family got her from that Russian woman who was like, was that her brother's sister? Was that her aunt? Yeah, it was it like was his brother. Her mom's sister, I think. Okay. Right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, so, yeah, and, and of course she speaks Russian, but like everything else, um, was the stuff that happened in Russia true? Like with her in the ice pond. I was thinking that was a little extreme. Like who in their right mind would put that child in the water like that? That was just seemed just really crazy to me. A Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I did hear a theory about the whole, um, uh, well, just about the series in general, really that, that some people think that, um, Prairie, it, she is Nina, but uh, that the kid went into a coma after the accident because in the in the bus there's um, four boys and one other girl, so they think that it's again it might just be in her mind and she's just making it up and it's just from the like the trauma of the car accident that she's kind of come up with all this stuff. But you know she would and then she would wake up as you know a thirty something old uh, woman, however old she is in the show. Like at the end there, where she asks for Homer, they think that she might be, they might she might be snapping out of her coma, but she actually is like you know this girl from Russia. So yeah. she so she never lived with her parents in America, and all this stuff never yeah. happened. Yeah, more JR bullshit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, so, I'm, oh, I'm worried. Yeah, so the theory is that like before, isn't it like before the cold, like when the cold open kicks in in the first episode, like yes. from then on is. The theory is like that's all, like coma dream. Yep. Yeah. I just don't. Under- I, don't I don't like that theory. I don't believe it. But I, I, I don't. I don't believe it because like if if she's how old was it's she too when? Too much for a nine year old to come that's up. That's what I'm saying. How old was she? She was nine. So it's like I don't see how a nine year old could come up with the fact that like this Jason Isaacs Hap character abducted them and then later on a nine year old or. Now she's, you know, maybe 14 in her dreams and she's, number one, she's dreaming about him playing audio of Homer fucking some woman in South America. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? That was so bad. Yeah, that was fucked up, you know. That was fucked up. But I can't imagine, like, because she would still have to be mentally a nine-year-old no matter how long she was in a coma. When you wake up, you're mentally a nine-year-old. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah and even if you're agree. absorbing like information from what's going on around you in the hospital room in the coma, like I don't know if you pick up English and like information about near death experiences, like it's a lot of strange specifics for somebody in a coma to a nine year old in a coma to come up with. Yeah. Hmm. Uh let's see here. Uh 
So I guess, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's just more I don't knows, like, when it comes to the things that happened in Russia um, and this whole story in general. Um, they also asked Betty's brother's uh, – Betty Betty's brother is named Theo. Remember – Theo died and then left her all that money. That was that was mm-hmm. a sad story. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is a stretch. They they they. This is what they put. Betty's brother is named Theo. That's only one letter away from the spelling the O A. Any significance there, or just a coincidence? Coincidence. Mm. What are you talking? Yeah, about? yeah. I'm saying coincidence on that as well. Yeah, right. I am too. That's. But yeah. what are they on about? They're reaching right. now. Yeah, very much so. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything else that I wanted to talk about before we end? I've got a, I've got a question. Yeah, that, go ahead. That I, I think maybe in the article, cause I think I read that too. Sure. Um, the, what are we supposed to believe or the Steve is just allowed to go back and live his life? Like the ramifications for, for BBA saving him from the military school and then they get found in the house. And it seems like Steve's punishment is he no longer has to go to the military school. That that all seemed very open-ended. Like, the next thing is everybody's just back at school and there's no ramifications for that whole situation? Well, I mean, yeah, maybe it's more off-air, uh, off-camera stuff. I mean, it's maybe it's like the family realizes, like, they, they're not viewing this that they're viewing this as a as an odd relationship between him and this woman and maybe they maybe i don't know maybe it's just making don't them don't you think for how heavily they played him going to military school in the series though it seems like mm, i wish they would have explained a little bit more because it was such a huge part of Steve's story and for the end of it to just be like everything's fine with that Mm-hmm. See, I wanted, I wanted, you know, we got a little bit of like angry Steve parents in the house, but like they were sending him away and he acted out and did crazier things and then, and then everything's fine. It yeah. seemed very, like it didn't make sense. Those parents would not have just let him stay at home. That, that's what the, well, that's what you feel like the, the article says maybe Steve's parents decided to give him one last chance at home. And I, I don't know. I don't have an answer answer for that i just the the way that i saw it was that you know they they turn up and it looks like they're in some kind of weird kind of cult thing Mm -hmm. um all the kids get taken away and you think that the shooting happens the next day after that doesn't it you know like it's there's no there's no kind of like loss of time or anything like that between those two incidences so it just it does seem like everyone just went home they slept it off and then steve was back at school because you know i mean well what else are you going to do with the guy you know just fucking send him there yeah. and then maybe figure it out later on and but then of course we're not going to see the well i'm going to assume we're not going to see any ramifications afterwards because dude just fucking save the school yeah, saved the school and cheated death all at the same time. So they yeah. probably had a bit of a, a flip, but we don't know that because you know we d- we didn't get to see it. But yeah, it was, you know, it was one night after the other. So I just think it was very very quick for them to kind of get things uh, going on the military school front again. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know how confident the parents would feel about sending their kid back to a place where the guys that were supposed to take him there and deliver him there were bribed off, you know? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's true, too. Maybe they needed some time to find a new military yeah. school. <laughs> maybe, maybe, well, and also, you know, Betty has to earn another $50,000 to get him out of there now, so. Well, she, um, she was packing up her shit and going to the West Coast. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I did find it interesting um, that I did find out that there is actually in real life a no. There's not a military school in Asheville. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Has nothing. God to, damn it, Brian. Yeah. So. It's breaking all well, now, the fucking beliefs. Ruined. I know the show's <laughs> ruined for you. So yeah, I think we figured out the answer. It's all a lie. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to end the show. Um, I didn't know if there's any uh, final things that you guys – there was one thing that I wanted to talk about, but I can't think about – I can't think of what I was wanting to say. I can't remember what, what it was. So we can end it unless you guys have anything else. Uh, I loved it when uh, BBA – drew the box around that weird drawing of her squatting oh, down as a stripper. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> that so was incredible. Funny. <laughs> oh yeah, and I remember just, that. She looked at it and then it was like she's just kind of shocked and a little bit repulsed and then she kind of, you know, found some strength and then drew the cage around herself. <laughs> Yeah. And then, then that guy walks in and just looks at what's going on and she just kind of <laughs> smiles at him. That was a great moment, man. That, you know, the whole series just, it's, it's full of amazing, like, moments and, uh, characters changing throughout and, you know, growing as people. I, I just, you know, I, I really do enjoy it. I really, I really do. I think it's fucking fantastic. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's talk about, real quick, let's talk about the, um, I I was totally shocked about how they lo- how they learned about the fifth movement with the police officer's wife. Oh, that good. That's what I wanted to talk about. I right. I I thought that and see that 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 makes me that's another thing. That's another um point that I wanted to make about my original point as to where why the bullet hit her and and the, why we didn't see an actual physical portal and how I believe that this all happened for a reason and that she's just not mentally ill. Um, like, you know, she performed the fifth movement when she got shot and how everything's not wrapped up in like that neat little bow that we want it. And we think that we feel like the story should be presented a certain way, but Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglish, they present it to us in a different way. Like I, we were all expecting that the fifth movement be presented by the character that they got from, uh, South America, um, oh, yeah. right. we thought that she would, uh, go under her and have that, that, that death experience where she would eat an animal too. The last thing we thought was that the police officer's wife was part of this, I would, I'm going to say prophecy to where she, when she was a little girl, she uh, was told by an angel that one, she was told by someone, right? That she would have yeah. to save, save these imprisoned angels. And so I feel like, Th- that that's the way this story's kind of been presented to me, and I feel like like all these things that were like you know that that I'm hearing other people say like, well, this can't be real, this can't be real. Well, the story's been showing us that that's how this story. I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. That's the, the, it's not giving us what we think we're going to see. 
And that's, mm-hmm. and that's why I think these things are really happening is because of the storytelling of the character of Prairie and all these things kind of line up. It's not like they got that fifth movement and you saw like some ray of light hit them and you saw angel wings flapping off in a cloud. It's like, no, they got it from this, this woman who, who is, who is dying of this disease and she's got nothing left of her mind. And now she's 100% lucid again. And she tells them this, this amazing story about how she's going to set free these angels by giving them the fifth movement and ask them if, you know, if, you know, if they're going to be responsible with it. I, I just thought it was such an awesome moment. I loved it. And then Jason Isaac's character ruins it and just shoots him. So. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Piece of shit. Yeah. Did this remind, then, did this throws, remind you? There was prairie, like, on the <laughs> side of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's kind of, uh, honestly, uh, I, I think that's kind of like, his reaction to like when he found out that she was lying to him about being blind, like, mm-hmm. well, fuck you. I know this means so much to you and now you're not going to be a part of it and all this stuff. And it's crazy to see that the guy that kidnapped her, now she's running back to him so she can be back with the people that she spent these years with. It's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy story about how, you know, she just wanted to get away from this guy who kidnapped her and now she's wanting to be She's wanting to go back with her captor so she can be back with Homer. It's it's wild. Yeah. Did this did the whole police officer thing though remind you of the Green Mile? Uh yes, it did. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It really no, did. but I don't remember that movie. What? Oh god, it's such a good film. It's really good. I think I saw it probably too young for it to have made an impression on me. I'll uh, watch it again. It's fantastic. It's very long, but it's really good. A really good movie. Oh my! Uh, Sam Rockwell is amazing in that film. <laughs> he's he's so funny, <laughs> and you shouldn't be laughing about what he's saying. <laughs> I know I shouldn't, but he's so funny. I know when he's singing those songs about people cooking or something. I can't remember what he was singing. It was so <laughs> distasteful, but it was so hilarious at the same time. Ugh. Yeah, that's a great film. Yeah. But Frank Darabont's one of my favorite writer-directors, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all about The Green Mile. Yeah, so but yeah, um No, as far as that scene goes, man, that was another, like, cheering moment when, when like, you could see that her eyes start moving, like, the wife, her eyes just start moving a little bit, and then she knows what's happening, and, like, again, even the fucking woman they got to play the cop's wife... Yeah. Such incredible acting. Like her eyes are welling up when she realizes what is happening. And then her arms start to move, like her fingers loosen up. And then she tells the story and she's like, you know, like totally fine again. And you get that really nice reunion between the couple. And then fucking Dr. Dickhead comes in and blows (laughs) them all away. (laughs) Fuck that guy. But again, uh, you know, like Jason Isaacs, like, Mm. like Ash was saying earlier, hate that character but i hate him because the portrayal is so good yeah it's, yeah you just can't you can't fault the acting in the, in this whole show it's fucking amazing he really had he, there was a stint in his career recently to where like they were casting him all wrong i mean totally agree he, he was in like an nbc show where he was like yeah the, and that was it, awful because he's not 
he's not your hero in any story. I mean, when you cast this guy, you need to cast him as a villain. Like when you watch the Patriot, when you watch, you know, uh, the Harry Potter films, like he is a villain through and through. I mean, I'm sure if you meet him, he's a lovely person, but like, just, just when, 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 when they turn on that camera, man, he is just the perfect villain. You know, he's just so fucking good. Yeah. And he can't be like kind and charming. I mean, in the very beginning when he meets Prairie, you like him. Like when he says like, do you want to come with me? Or she says, study me, study me. Like I wasn't creeped out or scared by him until way too late, like Prairie. Like, Yep. So he does do likable and he does do charming, but, but then when it like kicks into who he really is, you're like, oh, I get it. You're like a sociopath. But I like Prairie didn't catch on to any of that until way too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, the whole scene where you first, like, he walks it down to the basement and then you get to the cell and Ugh. then he closes the door and you just go, fuck. And you and can't you... see anything? Like, it's no. all that weird shot of, like, you don't know where they're going, but you're like, okay, why Why are the walls stone now? This isn't... Yeah. I don't think this is good. What did you guys uh, think about the first time when he turned on the gas? I was, I was concerned, <laughs> let's put it that way, because we didn't know what his plan was at all. We didn't know yeah. what he was doing. And then, you know, yeah, the fucking gas comes in and, and everyone's telling her, this is the scene where, like... Homer is saying, like, cover the vent. That's the one, isn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah. That's the first time, yeah. And so you don't even, you don't even know, like, if that's gonna kill people, or fucking knock them out, or whatever it was that it was happening. It was just, it was, it, it's weird, cause I love, you know, like, all of the kind of, like, Hannibal Lecter stuff, you know, it's something I've, mm-hmm. I've watched and read, and, mm-hmm. I've, and the new, the, the TV series is fucking incredible. Hello, Aaron. And, um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> It, but it's just it, that it, the fact they got that sort of captive, claustrophobic, um, terrifying, fucking like almost like inevitability of it all in this show, which also f- focuses on you know supernatural, like otherworldly, next dimension, next dimension sort of thing. It, it's amazing because you have so many themes and. Um, you know, genres going on in this hey, show. And let's throw some interpretive dance in there while we're at it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I want, I want to give a Tupperware to whoever gay, whoever come up with the movements, whoever come up with the movements. They, they because, actually, oh, yes. Do they, you know who did? Go, yeah. No. There was an article about um, this, yeah. They actually, um, they spent time with the choreographer and the girl dancer, Maddie Ziegler, I think her last name is, from all the Sia music videos. Oh, okay. Well, that makes a hell of a lot of sense now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's yeah just so a, from a, like a, the chandelier amazing. video, that little girl, yep. they like sat down and spent some time with her and the people who choreograph all those music videos. And, um, they took a lot of tips and tricks and I think they maybe even co- like co choreographed the movements together. Wasn't yeah, weren't the amazing. the movements were amazing and like the sounds that they would make like yeah. like the breathing it, the breathing and stuff, and, yeah. stuff. And, it, and like you know the the slapping of their chest like real hard and that's my favorite part yeah when oh they yeah. slap their chest and they put their arms out straight yes I I get goosebumps every time they do it and I've seen that fucking fifty odd times now and every time there's like all that tension and then they just like whack their chest and their face goes like just like it's like they've got like a clarity. 
about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just knock my headset off. Um, <laughs> but it's like they've got a clarity because I'm doing the movements. <laughs> and they've got like a sudden clarity and, you know, every movement goes with like an emotion and breathing technique. It's so fucking cool. It and really is. The movement where they go all like bulimic and they start pulling stuff oh. out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, and there it's is amazing. Beautiful, beautiful that happens like as they repeat it over and over again. That that one night when Homer and Prairie just do it over and over and over and over again, and that's when Scott starts coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've only seen them do it for when they've been practicing in short periods of time and they stop in between and you know up until that point, I was like, eh, I don't really like this. It seems really cheesy. And there was something about the scene of watching them do those like four movements over and over again through the night and continue to believe themselves that it was like they like they weren't going to stop until something happened. It became for me like more interesting to watch and beautiful, like as they're as the practice went on and then like when Scott came back to life, it was like, Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, whether or not the story turns out to be a lie or, you know, whatever the hell it is, um, just watching the characters sort of like come up with the moves and, Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it it will cheapen the story, but fuck me. What a story. I've never seen anything like it. And that's one of the things that, I give like mad props to this show. I've what? never seen a show like this ever. What? And me either, dude. Like, okay, last thing. I keep bringing up things, but I don't want to leave <laughs> things out that I think are really important. What about when they go? It's South America that they're that they're flying to, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. so they're in South America, and he brings Homer with him. What about that scene? Like now, not only is he planning on kidnapping this woman from South America who is this wonderful musician who's had near-death experience, but also he brings Homer along as a pawn in his kidnapping. And what did you guys think about how that all played out in the hotel and uh, the whole sex scene? And just it was just – I think it was all – it was – I don't know. I, it was disturbing. It was – it made me sad for Homer. Um, yeah. It was completely fucked up. Yeah. From the beginning- him, him escaping and you think – God, when he escapes and you think for a moment like he might be able to get somewhere and you just see those blank faces of the people at the counter at the hotel – Yeah. when he's like, help me, help me, help me. And you can just tell already they – Hap has got to them – they don't believe him and it is for a moment you have hope for homer that you think he's going to be able to get somebody to pay attention to him and just fucking again he doesn't it's heartbreaking yeah it it, it is heartbreaking from beginning to end and even it's very very clever because even when he's tried his first escape attempt and it didn't work and then hap takes him to the restaurant where um renata's playing and he's like He's like, oh, do you smoke? And he's like, no, I don't smoke. And he goes, oh, you know, if you like it, we'll, I'll give you some more. And so he's smoking, he's drinking. He's got what looks like awesome food in front of him as well. Yeah. And he's just, he has no pleasure in anything. Like, no sort of, like, he, you know, hedonistic pleasure from anything that he's doing. He doesn't like 
you know, he tastes the food, but he can't use the knife and fork, and he has to use his hands. And it's, yeah. all, it's all so degrading, and you really see in the in this whole scene how Hap is just in his fucking head, and that it, it, it's heartbreaking because you you can see from um, what's the actor's name plays Homer? Do you remember? Uh, it's uh, Emery. What's his name? I got it here. Uh, Emery Cohen. Yeah, and you guys are saying how great he is, and I would like to repeat that. This guy, especially in this scene, he's awesome all the way throughout, but this is, like, next-level shit. He's just, like, this incredible food. He's just stuffing his face, but he also doesn't... He's almost like he's just... He's not enjoying anything, and it's not until Renata starts playing the guitar that he actually, like, you know, sees her, and he's overcome with emotion and, like... But then he also comes to the realization that this is why he's here. He's there to take this woman who's clearly incredibly fucking talented and she's gorgeous and she's like just awesome person. And he just has to think, fuck, I've got to help this piece of shit, like, you know, trap this woman. Ruin her life. Yeah, it's fuck. It's, it's heartbreaking all the way through. And even, you know, like like you're saying, like the sex scene and that that wasn't going to happen because Hap comes in with the weird fucking gas mask thing, and then he realizes that they're gonna, you know, get down, and he backs off. And from that moment when he realizes that stuff's going to happen between those two, you can see in his head that he's thinking, "I can fucking get to Prairie this way." And then mm. he, like, you know, he puts the live feed through of the noises because he knows it's going to break her heart. He, he is a fucking piece of shit, this guy. And he's, he really is. But he, it's, it's just a fantastic character, like, fantastic character. But what does he perform? What does Prairie say as soon as she hears that? She's like, all she says is, he's alive. He's alive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Which Man. is somehow even more heartbreaking than her <laughs> being. Like, an, if she would have, like, broken into tears and, like, smashing all around the box or something, you would have, like, understood. But, like, that just her being so happy that Homer was alive, it made me want to flip over a fucking table. It's like, fuck you, Hap. Like, why are you so mean? Well, you yeah. you guys also got, like, the feeling throughout this that Hap wanted her to feel that way for him, right? Yes, most definitely. Yes. Yeah, so I got that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was just it. That whole the Hap Homer Prairie jealousy thing, really, really interesting all the way through. And the fact he was such a dick about how he was trying to, you know, like worm his way into like her falling in love with him, or at least them being together so many times. Like even when, you know, he was saying like, if we get the fifth movement, then you come with me. We'll we'll get an island and we'll start a clinic together. We'll heal people and all the rest. It was like fuck you dude mm-hmm. it's like you have no idea okay, what reality is she going to voluntarily hang out with you for eternity yeah like, exactly like you, you believe your own shit enough that you think that like these people are going to be on your side like when you all figure it out together and it's that's also another like out of touch with reality psychopath obsessed dude Ugh. but he's yeah. just so focused on on the work yeah. What about yeah. the one more thing? What about the reveal when the kids are on Google, uh, YouTube, and they find the video of her in the city playing the violin? Yeah, that confused me quite a lot. I don't understand 
because it's a it's it looks like it's it's kanji so it's either like japanese or it's mm-hmm. possibly like mandarin mm-hmm. writing yeah so but it does what? say nyc oh did it okay i missed that okay yeah. right well that that's that that's a lot more sort of clear for me and now because I thought oh that that made me question if her story was real because I was like well if she's just playing a violin like in Japan or China or something then the, a lot of this stuff that she's been talking about is shit but if that's if it was in New York then that makes complete sense yeah and the people that were in the station I mean there was more Caucasian people than there were I mean I don't know if I even saw any Asians in the video that of like yeah cool but um. What did you think about even just bringing the the group of people the 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 group of teenagers and then uh Betty together? I mean, what did you th- I mean, she just sent out a YouTube video of her eyeball saying I need people to leave their doors open and, you know, come to that. Yeah. Like, what are the chances of that happening? It it feels like they were all kind of like looking for something. Yes. It it, it just it, there's there's just too much there's two it's not a coincidence to me it just feels like everybody is it felt like a calling you know i I don't know it's just yeah it's bizarre at some point i think somebody or maybe maybe not maybe i read this somewhere that like she didn't she didn't find them like they found her and so like they needed the oa right those five people and that's that's how that they all end up connected is is those those five people needed needed somebody to propel them into like this change in their life to to get because all of those characters are in this weird stagnated place you know steve's an angry sociopath and bba Mm -hmm. is a miserable teacher and we don't learn too too much about buck and jesse but we do about french he's stuck with his drunk horrible mom (laughs) She and, is so horrible. Ugh, okay. Until the last scene where, you know, she said about he doesn't understand how, what she did for him. And I was, yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Cause I hated her up to that point. I was like, oh, yeah. she's such a useless bitch. And then, and then she said that and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> now for really bad. Do you, yeah. you guys remember like earlier on I was saying how like her story, even as bizarre as some of the things that she talked about happened, it all kind of lines up with what we see in the real world of yeah. how things are played out. Let's let me just throw this out there. Let's say that the the OA was uh, an eight episode series, and what I thought was number another thing I thought was cool about this is one episode could be an hour long, and another episode could be forty five minutes or forty minutes. They, yeah, yeah, you told me about that when when you recommended it right. to me, and I, it it was weird because it's not weird. It's it's awesome because they because it's a Netflix series and they don't have to fill a particular time slot on TV. You get exactly what you need per episode. And yeah, the pacing. Mm-hmm. Is these fucking were perfect. These were chapters, and each chapter exactly. they some chapters are longer, some chapters are shorter. But let's say the OA was a four episode series. Um and in that four episode series, we got none of the stuff with Hap, none of the stuff with Homer, uh the show and none of the stuff maybe in Russia. Let's just say that the story opens up with a girl on a bridge, okay? And uh you know, and then she dives into the water and then after that uh, we are introduced to all the things that happen. She sends out the YouTube video. These kids leave their door open. They're all going up there doing these movements. And then it ends the way it does. 
uh, with uh, the gunman, and then all of a sudden she wakes up in a white room. Could we still be saying the same story of did this happen? I think we. I think we could. I think yeah. that if we if we basically took it as if as how the characters in the show saw it, which is just her telling the story. And we didn't get to see any of the flashbacks or any or anything else that was going on. I reckon it would still be just as interesting. Mm-hmm. I really do. And it, I mean, not not more interesting, but just as interesting in the fact that you would be able to see how the characters react to the whole situation and what their reaction to the story would be. Right? I, I, yeah, that's a really good shout, dude. It's, I didn't even think of that. It's still pretty fantastical. All the stuff that we know happens in the real world. I just her yeah. meeting these kids. And, 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 and them doing what they do, it's all still pretty fantastical, even though they're hearing this really fantastical story about her in Russia, her in the afterlife. I mean, we could also cut out, you know, cut this, cut down half of the time and do this in four chapters. Mm-hmm. And I still think the ending could le- could be very ambiguous. Like we could be thinking to ourselves, did this happen? Even though we know when we have the full story that what we saw in the real world was the real world stuff. I, I, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah. And I think Prairie, Prairie is a engaging enough storyteller and narrator that I feel like you could, we could watch scenes of them in that abandoned house with her telling the story and you, and we stay in that room mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing the things acted out. Right. Like you could stay in that room and have like a one shot of her telling a story for a few minutes and reaction shots of the people around her. And I think it would be, I don't know if it would be as impactful, but it would be, a different kind of impactful. I think that you could, you could still get across your story if we cut it down to four episodes without having to physically show, show the things. Mm-hmm. I think that through her storytelling, I think it would be just as effective. She, she was, I, I would love to see the reactions more of, you know, uh, Buck and Steve, like hearing the crazy shit as she's telling it to. Mm-hmm. Another thing I talked earlier about, like there being too many coincidences for me to think that this is not really happening. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is right before the gunman shows up to the school, her in the tub, her no, uh, waking up with her bloody nose and running mm-hmm. to the school. That's, I mean, I don't know, unless she just suffers from uh, premonitions and nosebleeds all the time. This is just, uh, it, it's a little too much for me to think that this is not really happening. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. I, I totally agree with you on that. But the only way that I I agree with it is if what she said all the way through is real and then it's not just a, a, a big dream. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it, I totally agree, man. It, why the hell would she be able to prophesize that this kid was mm-hmm. coming and that she understood this understood this premonition if if there wasn't you know anything else you know kind of supernatural going on the other thing that i would like to know is why couldn't her fucking dad drive her there <laughs> <laughs> i think he made enough of a statement letting her run out the door after all the shit that just know, happened that, you know, <laughs> ankle monitor bracelet on her you know oh, that like yeah tracking thing um, so he was already yeah. doing enough by being like uh, all right, i think he stayed ahead. at home because he had a hankering for some more waffles 
<laughs> he has some really good coffee. Yeah, he wanted. He was jonesing for some coffee, good old cup of Joe, and some more waffles. He was finally going to have the house to himself for a few moments without without Prairie and his wife there. So he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, some peace and quiet for a moment." Jeez. Did the wife remind you guys of uh, Sissy Spacek? Totally, um, totally. Yes. I thought it was her for a long time. God, I, I had to look it up on IMDb. Yeah. Uh, t- I'll be honest with you, man. I wanted to throw blood on her more than I did Sissy Spacek. <laughs> yeah, great. Insufferable. Insufferable she was. Yes, she was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right, guys. I think this is our OA episode. Um, I, 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 I don't think we answered any questions. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, and, and and we all don't really agree. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. I, that, that, but that's hey, that's the fun in this stuff. It's like everybody gets something different out of it. Like I was the only sap here that really enjoyed the the movements. It like it moved me emotionally. Like I'm like I had tears of joy when I saw these characters finally yeah. performing these movements together and working as a team. And uh, on, Ashley, on the other hand, was rolling her fucking eyes. So it's like you never. Well, know. you know, I'm, I'm working on having emotions. I'm trying to figure it out. I know, honestly. I like when we were recording Sweetwater Saloon. I thought I was actually uh, hosting with an actual host. I thought that you might. <laughs> a lot of our listeners did too. Yeah, it's true. All right. Uh, so um, Ashley, thank you for joining us. Uh, if people want to hear more of you, where can they go? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Peachy Tree, and then you can follow my solo podcast, Bay Area Mystery Club, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that good stuff. Um, it's on social media. I talk about crimes and murders and fantastical crazy shit that happens in the Bay Area where I am born and raised. And it's uh, every other week. It's pretty fun. I'll be doing episode four comes out next week and i'm going to be talking about um the people who escaped from alcatraz and don't worry she is just as uncaring and unremorseful on those episodes as she was here today yeah so uh somebody got murdered you know people's lives <laughs> do i sound like that what accent is that yeah. <laughs> You know, people were affected, not me, so. Uh. How dare you? I don't sound like Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Oh my god. Bit. Can you imagine, can you imagine Jay Leno doing a podcast and him fucking his chin knocking into that mic every five seconds? <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry guys, I gotta pick up the mic again. I knocked it over with my fucking huge ass chin. Um, so. Dan, if people want more of you in their life, how can they how can they get more Dan West in their life? Uh, they can get more Dan right here on PCL. Uh, they can also check out Egotaku's Pub Stomper podcast, which is a show that I do with uh, one of my best friends, Johnny Cousins, who lives in Tokyo, and we cover everything pop culture in Japan about pop culture. I and think that's how he puts it. I'm a listener, and uh, I'm like, how the fuck do you spell Egotaku? <laughs> it is E I I can't remember E I G O T A K U apostrophe S Igataku's Pub Stop Podcast. 
All right. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you being on the episode with me. Um, and uh, we will be back next week for the fourth annual Tupperwares Awards show where we're handing out tuppies for the uh, best and maybe even the worst. We'll be talking about some of the worst of uh, 2016. So join us for that one. And until next week, yada, yada, whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Ami. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all bad. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.